Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 3rd, 2020, including Xbox will hold a presentation during Tokyo Game Show 2020, Halo veteran Joseph Staten has joined 343 to help with Halo Infinite, WB is no longer looking to solve its games division, and more. It is officially September, everybody, which means we are just a few short days away from, yes, Microsoft's biggest product launch of the year, the Microsoft Surface Duo dual screen Surface device that runs Android. Is it a phone? Is it a Surface? Can it be both? No, of course, what I really meant to say, as a side note, the Surface Duo is the most exciting Microsoft piece of hardware coming out this year, in my opinion, but... Obviously, this is an Xbox podcast, so we're talking about Xbox, and the notable thing about September is we are now officially two-thirds done with the year, and we are officially two months away from the release of the Xbox Series X, and we don't have a price, we don't have a release date, we know November, but uh, any idiot could have guessed November when they said holiday 2020, so that really doesn't mean anything to me. Like I said, it, it may be a thing where you just see it on shelves in stores before Microsoft ever actually says how much it costs or when it's coming out. So keep your eyes peeled as you go shopping at big box stores or as you do your internet shopping on the Amazon.coms and the Best Buys and the Microsoft.coms. And just keep your eyes peeled because you never know when... A bunch of new Xboxes are just going to randomly go on sale because I don't even think Microsoft knows. So exciting. But, you know, on a positive note with Microsoft here or with Xbox, I should say Xbox Game Studio just putting putting out a lot of great stuff this year. Or I should say, you know, a big criticism of the Xbox brand in recent years has been, you know, it's just slowed down so much with the first party output. But man, 2020, they're really just churning out so many so many console exclusives or so many Xbox exclusives, I should say. You know, obviously earlier in the year we had Ori and the Will of the Wisps. We had Bleeding Edge. And then, you know, we had a bunch more. We had Gears Tactics on PC, which is coming to the Series X soon. We don't really have a date on that. We got Wastelands 3 just came out this week. We got Tell Me Why, which just came out this week. We got Battletoads, which came out the other week. So, you know, Grounded came out a few weeks ago. And I'm missing one or two in there. So... We've had a pretty good release list of, or Minecraft Dungeons came out, what was that, in May? So yeah, we've got a pretty nice, chunky list of first-party games this year. So I, I understand people, you know, people, what they mean by that is like high triple AAA tier, you know, the, the big budget God of War Halo games. They don't mean, you know, the smaller games, but I don't know. To me, it's exciting still. So this week... I've been playing some Tell Me Why. I got through episode one, and what's really nice about this game is it's doing the, it's doing the every every week there's a new episode thing rather than the regular kind of don't nod schedule of like episode one comes out three months later episode two comes out three months later episode three you know so it's nice that you'll be able to retain what's happening in the actual game as the new episodes come out. Uh, Wastelands three just Wasteland three just came out. I played a little bit of that and I finished. Uh, Battle Toads, but more on that when we get to the what I've been playing section of the game. So just just a big old shout out to Xbox Game Studios, who's been putting out you know 
They've got a lot of stuff coming out the pipeline right now, and I think it's just obviously this is the busiest Xbox has been in terms of publishing first-party uh, games in quite a while. So this is just a exciting, exciting time to be an Xbox gamer. So wanted to just put that out there. Hope you are all enjoying Game Pass, enjoying this slew of new Xbox games, and yeah, congrats to all the teams who worked on these games and and made them come to be. And of course, well, I guess technically, tell me why it's more of a second party game. And I know Wasteland 3 is technically on PlayStation, but that's because of some earlier arrangements before the before this before In Exile was acquired by Microsoft. But you get the gist. Oh, and I and I left out Flight Simulator. Who could forget Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to Series X later this year? Already on PC. Seems like seems like it's unanimously, if not for. If not for Animal Crossing, it seems like people would be pretty much like, hey, we can we can run Flight Simulator as potential game of the year game right now because people just seem to be like that into it. Like people who are playing it seem enamored with it. So that's really awesome to see. Just tons and tons of Xbox games out there right now. And with that said, let's have a podcast all about Xbox. So we always start out the show, for those of you, if it's your first time, you know, welcome to Xbox On. I don't know why you would choose this week to be your first week when last week's show could have been your first episode or the week before that, or, you know, we've been doing 60-something of these things, so don't know what took you so long, but welcome anyway. I'm glad you're here. Now, we always start out the show with uh, some comments, shout-outs, and whatnot from the audience. These come from YouTube, so if you're wondering, I Jesse, I keep writing into you by emailing you at some archaic AOL address that you had when you were seven years old. Why are you not responding? Well, you idiot, it's because I only pull comments and questions and whatnot from the YouTube comments. So look me up at Second Best Gaming on YouTube and you'll see the Xbox On podcast playlist from there. And there you can not see a not see a video version of the show, but just a static image, thumbnail image of the episode uh, with the audio playing. If that's how you choose to consume your podcast, then that's your business, and that's that's the uh, that's the method, that's the platform, and the format in which we uh, we do commenting here on this show. So head on over to YouTube, subscribe. How do you guys like this intro for the show? I'm doing that kind of traditional YouTuber thing where I'm like, hey, here's a really interesting episode, but first I'm going to spend ten minutes talking about sponsorships and how you can subscribe to the channel. These kinds of intros are just so incredibly awful for creators looking to get subscribers and capture an audience and retain attention. Like obviously. I'm playing this up for for comedic effect right now, but if you've listened to the show before, you know, oh, this is Jesse, he's just being stupid. But if this is your first time listening to Xbox On, there's a good chance right now you're clicking off because I'm just keeping this going and and I'm trying to make a point here. Why the fuck do YouTubers and podcasters and such think this is a good way to, to start a show? Hey guys, you like that you like that thumbnail you, that I put up there with like me like like clapping my cheeks together and jaw dropped in amazement and and some gooey stuff and some question marks and and mystery colors and shit and and the and the title of the video is you won't click on this video Xbox Series X release date announced OMG Phil Spencer came to my house and more and then you're like shit I got to watch this video and then you click on the video and 4 minutes are like ExpressVPN, Dollar Shave Club, and uh, don't forget to smash that like button. Can you imagine asking someone to subscribe to your show before you even give them a taste of what the show actually is? You know? Can you imagine, like, sitting down to watch a new episode of Scrubs or whatever the fuck it is you guys watch on cable TV? And the show starts out with, like, a commercial break, 
then the theme song, another commercial break, and then like a sp- a message that says, new episodes every Thursday. Don't forget to tune in and watch. And then like, ah, and here's the show. What a fucking stupid format. But I hope I've made my point clear. Now that, now that we've gotten that out of the way, that's not how we traditionally start things out on the show, but I thought I would try it. I would try to be that guy. It's, it's kind of like trying to hold it in before you know you're just going uh, to... Like, it's, like, it's like a content creator's way of getting off. They're just trying to hold it in before they explode all over uh, you with the, with the content, the quote-unquote content that they create. So, comments, questions. We do talk about Xbox on this podcast. Uh, let's, let's jump right in. First comment this week comes from LJ Plays, our first time co- a first-time commenter who says... Hi, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now on Google Podcasts, and I was just wondering and I was just wondering what your opinions are on the pricing maybe on the Series X. Many thanks. Well, thank you LJ for commenting. Welcome to the show. I hope you enjoyed this introduction. I could slow it down again if you'd like, but but we'll just jump into your question here. So you ask, what do I what do I think about what are my opinions? What are the options with the pricing on the Xbox Series X? With all due respect, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone knows. I don't think Xbox knows. I don't think any. I don't think Jesus Christ Himself knows. At this point, there there is a pretty good chance that the Xbox Series X costs between one and one thousand U.S. dollars. I don't know, but if you guess somewhere within that range, you're probably going to be correct. It's very obvious what Microsoft is doing here is just playing with Sony. They're they're waiting. Each one, each 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 side is trying to is trying to get the other one to to say something first. And in the middle of all of this, in this in this standoff, in this and this stalemate between Microsoft and Sony on release date and pricing, what we have is just many, many Xbox and PlayStation fans who are just suffering, waiting for this information to release. Now, I understand that, you know, with the advent of, like, interstitial console updates, things like PlayStation 4 Pro, Xbox Series X, we've gotten the console gaming space into this this kind of, like, mobile phone-like territory of, like, you know... You get small updates here and there. You get a, a like a, a quicker uh, announcement to hype cycle to release date kind of thing, and, and we're kind of getting into that. And, and I think we see this a little bit with the Xbox Series S and X, where it's also a little bit like the phone model or the phone market, where it's like you got like the boutique for big boy fans only, super expensive, over the top model that has probably too much power and too much specs for that more than you know more than anyone really needs and then you got like the like the regular version that most people will buy that's just a next gen console so we're seeing a lot of that that mirror in the console space of what the phone market does and i think as a consequence of that you know we're also seeing the release date and pricing information or announcement rollout kind of structure that we see in the phone space as well you know we're in the month of september this is the month of the iphone every september tim cook gets on stage brags about how they're enslaving children in China to make their products, but then also talks about how they're extremely progressive because they make ads that show millennials and people of color uh, taking pictures on iPhones together. And they talk about how great they are and they pat themselves on the back. And then they say, here's the new iPhone. It's the exact same as last year's, except it's a little heavier. It comes in a bunch of really fucking obscure colors that only only fucking like divas want. And uh, it has seven more cameras on it. And it costs two hundred more dollars, and everyone goes, "Wow, that's amazing!" I hope I can make a stupid cartoon emoji version of myself and and, and text it to everyone in my in my contacts list. And and sure enough, you can. And then Apple caps it off by saying, "Now we're going to do a live concert from some stupid hipster band no one cares about, and then we're going to drop the price on you. It's a it's a billion dollars, and it comes out in seven days." And that's kind of what Apple does 
like you know, like clockwork every September. And no one gets mad at Apple for doing that because now they've trained us as an audience to expect it. They're saying they're going to announce the iPhone in mid-September and then the phone will be out two weeks later. And so that I think that's what Microsoft and PlayStation are kind of copying here is they're, they're, they're doing the they're doing the Apple thing where they're like, okay, we're just going to... Well, I, should, I really should say the tech thing because Samsung does this too. Microsoft does it in regards to their Surface hardware. It's just kind of what the tech industry does. Where at some point, Microsoft and, PlayStation and Sony are going to have these these little briefs, these little, these little things, these final presentations on their new consoles. And they're just going to be like, and here's the price and release date. Pre-orders are open now. See you in two weeks. So... At this point, I'm I'm thinking that they might, you know, they might just do the iPhone thing. And if that makes sense, and if that is the case, you know, I think I, I think Xbox Series X comes out. Looking at a, a calendar here, I think Xbox Series X comes out probably Thursday or Friday, the 12th or 13th of November. So that week, the week of Mon- uh, the week of November 9th, probably towards the end of the week around Friday the 13th. Somewhere around that, that is the release day of the Xbox. Some people are saying it's a week earlier on the 6th. Some people are saying it's a week later on the 20th. Who gives a shit? Somewhere in that time frame, is when the Series X is coming out. It just is. Uh, okay? This isn't this isn't any insider knowledge. This is just common sense. So, applying the Apple theory to this, you're looking at like a mid to late October release date. Maybe the week of October 12th or 19th. One of those weeks. Microsoft will just be like, "Here's an info dump on the Series X." It's a video of Phil Spencer. He's like, "Hey guys, Phil Spencer here from Nintendo. I write the Goosebumps books. And then he's going to he's gonna be like, the new Mario Brothers on Xbox Series X is simply unparalleled due to the ray tracing that we are able to extract from this very powerful console. And then he's going to be like, and the console will be out for $700 on this day. Now, LJ, L, LJ Plays, I understand that your question was simply, what do you think the pricing will be on the Series X? But I had to make, I had to do a tirade because as I've said before on the podcast in, in recent history, I'm fucking tired of speculating. And this isn't me getting upset with you about your question. I'm, I'm grateful that you asked the question. I'm grateful that you're listening and engaging with the show. Thank you so much. But I'm fucking tired from the perspective of a fan of just being like, oh, I think this is what the, the specs are going to be like, and this is what this what, what this power means for gaming, and this is what the release date's going to be, and this is what the pricing's going to be. I don't care anymore. Listen, I'll be honest with you guys. I have a credit card. I don't give a shit how much the Xbox Series X costs. Because I have this extremely niche podcast that a couple hundred people listen to every week, which, by the way, I'm, I'm very grateful to have. I feel very compelled to be a day one adopter of the Series X. And that's not really why I'm buying it day one. I'm buying it day one because as an Xbox fan, I want it day one. I'm just going to turn the other way and just kind of like type in my credit card information on the computer and just hit pre-order whenever this goddamn thing comes out. So if it's 400 bucks, that's great. That's less debt. If it's 600 bucks, eh. If it's 700 bucks, fuck it. I'm, I'm still hitting pre-order no matter what. So what is the price? I don't fucking know. I hope for all of our sakes. I hope for my credit card's sake that it's uh, it's, it's affordable. But I, I really, all, all joking aside, I really am of the mindset that the Series X is a $600 box. I think your PlayStation, uh, again, I, I, as I've said before, I think what you're looking at for the Series S, you're looking at like a $400, $450 box. For the, for the PlayStation 5, you're looking at like a $500 and a $550 models, you know, respectively for the no disk drive and disk drive models. And then for the Xbox Series X, you're looking at a $600 box. Keep in mind, the Xbox Series X is quite a bit beefier than the PS5. So I think Microsoft's strategy isn't to undercut the PS5 by having the most powerful console in the world also be cheaper than the PS5. I think the plan is to have 
two versions of the next gen console both on both kind of sandwiching this spectrum of of next gen console pricing so at the lowest end you got the xbox series s at the highest end you got the series x and then in the middle you got the playstation 5 skews you know kind of spread out there in the middle with the with the idea of being like hey the cheapest console on the market the cheapest next gen console on the market is an xbox the most expensive most powerful most premium console on the market right now is an xbox Everything else is just some form of a PlayStation. I think that's the strategy. I know a lot of you guys are getting really, really spicy with the, with the hot takes saying, oh my God, the Series X is going to be 400 and the Series S is going to be 200. No, it's not. Keep the hype down. Don't kid yourselves. No, it's not. I, Xbox is really good. Microsoft's really good. They're very consumer focused. They're very uh, community oriented. They've been very good to us in recent years. They've been, current leadership has, has done a great job of recognizing and, and catering to their audience but they're still a company and they're still trying to make a make a profit. They're not trying to lose a substantial amount of money on their new Xbox hardware initiative. So there's not going to be a $200 Xbox. And, and if I'm wrong, that's great. But it's not going to happen. The Series X, minimum $500. I think it's six, minimum $500. Series S, I think it's $400. Minimum $400. I, I, don't, think, I don't think you see a next-gen console under $400. And even that's kind of pushing it. So let's, let's get the expectations in check, guys, okay? Last generation, the cheapest next-gen console was the base PS4. It was $400. That was seven years ago. Inflation exists. We're not getting a next-gen console under $400. Let's just let's just be really realistic about the situation. Thank you so much, LJ Plays, for writing in. Our next comment is from EA's King117, who says, Okay, I won't give you my social security number. I may or may not have one, but I actually live in Canada. It's just that random shop that randomly sells camel heads, by the way. A big lull. That's a lot of non-sequiturs. And if you catch any of that from last week's episode, that's great. And if you don't, that just sounds like a lot of gibberish. But thank you for writing in. EA's King117, Spartan117, John, Sierra117, our, our Spartan savior, our reclaimer. Now, as far as your social security number, joke's on you. Because right now, as you listen to this podcast, I'm actually unleashing a small hacking a device that is breaking into your phone's uh, database to extract very personal information. So I now have access to your date of birth, uh, medical records, and credit cards. So just so you know, I don't even need you to give me your social security number. I already got that shit. So next up, we got Lethal Migraine, who says Swedish. The Swedish government announced last year that Swedish meatballs aren't actually Swedish; they are Turkish. IKEA got in trouble a few years ago in multiple countries because there was horse meat in the meatballs. Now, we already talked about how a lot of people eat horse meat. It's not, an, it's not a weird thing to eat. So for that alone, I'm going to say, okay. That's like someone saying, hey, I got this, uh, this pork sausage for you, but it's actually cut with a little bit with beef and chicken. Well, okay. I'm not, you know, you're not putting me at risk here by feeding me that. You're just lying a little bit about what it is. That's fine. I'm used to being lied to, okay? So that's that's fine. I can live with IKEA lying about what kind of meat they're feeding me. That doesn't really bother me. I am a I am a Taco Bell regular. Clearly I don't care about what I put into my system. But this Swedish government thing, that's that's concerning. So the Swedish have just been aping from the Turkish all this time and then they're just like, "Hey, this is our our national Can you imagine the fucking audacity? Can you imagine like like here in the US? Can you imagine if we took like pizza or Chinese takeout and, and tried to make that our national food. That is so offensive. Can you imagine taking food from other parts of the world and doing your own spin on it and trying to pass that off as your own as your own food? That's just 
that's just unacceptable. I say we annex Sweden uh, and uh, maybe just to punish them, we'll do like a Brazil thing. I know the Brazil thing is, is their own thing with the tariffs and whatnot, but maybe we'll just uh, we'll outprice them from next-gen hardware so that they can only – so that there'll always be a couple of console generations behind. Maybe we'll you'll go to Sweden one day and you'll be like, oh, they're still playing – they're still playing Nintendo GameCube because they can't they can't afford to import those goddamn Xbox Series X's. And then my mother says it is said that human flesh tastes like pork. Because the other the other week I said no one no one knows or that or that I'm not a big fan of pork or I don't remember the context. But I will say this, guys, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know why you would know, I've never said this on the podcast. When my mother was pregnant with me, they said I was going to be a twin, and then at some point the twin didn't make it. Some point during the pregnancy. The twin never made it out of the womb. It's not like a person who lived and died. It, it, it was a fetus. But nonetheless, the twin didn't make it out of the womb. You think I'm joking? I'm dead serious. The twin never made it out. But I did. So, you know, for better or for worse, I'm here. Now, why do I bring this up in relation to my mom saying that human flesh tastes like pork? I'm not saying my mom's a cannibal, but the fact that there was supposed to be a twin, and then there wasn't a twin, and then I was just way too young to know what was going, what the fuck was going on, means there's a good possibility that my mother ate my twin and that's why she knows human flesh tastes like pork think about that next up lethal migraine says since xbox doesn't actually talk about xbox yes just turn this into a food podcast i love that idea and it's kind of already half of what this show is so that works for me xbox definitely does talk about xbox they just uh they don't they don't Sometimes they just talk too much about the same thing. I think that's their bigger problem. But we'll get into that in a minute. Jeezy, Geezy, whatever, writes in and says, Hey, here's a question for the next podcast. I know you love pizza, so will so will you be having pizza the day of the Xbox Series X launch in order to celebrate? If so, what do you think will be your go-to toppings? You know what? This is a wonderful question, and I love it so much. It's such a thoughtful question. It's such an important question. But And then also to fi- fi- finish up here, you say, Sorry, though, we don't have social security numbers in the UK, but I can give you my bank account number and PIN if that helps. I appreciate your cooperation, but I actually already I already got all that information. The same way I got it from EA's King117. I'm just sending nanobots through the, the speakers of your phones right now to compromise your personal data. So don't worry, I already have it all. I'm going to use all that all, all your guys' money and personal information to weasel my way into an Xbox Series X pre-order. So don't worry about that. Uh, but yeah, pizza mm, pizza the day the Series X comes out. That's a great question. And here's why I'm conflicted on that. I would love to have a pizza the day the Series X comes out. But you know what I really hate is when you eat something greasy like a pizza. And then you wash your hands afterwards because you're about to play a video game. But then you have that feeling of like, I just feel greasy. Like... I don't know, my mouth feels greasy, I wash my hands, I just, it doesn't feel quite right, I don't feel quite clean, because pizza can be such a messy, greasy food, so, my concern is, if I eat pizza, when the Xbox Series X comes out, will I have to take a shower in between the pizza eating and the Xbox playing, because that could substantially cut into my Xbox Series X hands-on time, so, this is a whole conundrum, you know, that, we can't just, like, brush this to the side and be like, yeah, 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 let's get pizza, I I love the idea of celebrating with a pizza, but we might... You know, when you, when you open your Series X, it's going to be such a sleek, sexy, new piece of hardware that you're going to want to be a very clean person around it for a while. Make sure you're not getting grease and oil on it. Make sure that you're not wearing out the controller too much. I, I try to be that guy, especially when I get a new controller, something that you put your hands on a lot. Just kind of be clean. Keep your hands clean. Uh, try to keep it free of grease and grime and fingerprints and things like that. And I, I feel like 
having pizza in celebration of acquiring a Series X is like inviting one with the other, and I want to make sure that doesn't happen. So would pizza be the ideal food to have the day of the Series X launch to celebrate? Of course. What kind of toppings would I get on it? Maybe a pepperoni or a chicken pizza or a, or a, a supreme pizza. If I'm going to Giovanni's, you know, my, my favorite local pizza place, I'm going to get the Italian Lovers, which is just loaded in, like, sausage, pepperoni, onions, and peppers and shit like that. Sounds like a great idea. But, again, because I want to respect the cleanliness and the, and the newness of the Xbox Series X, I might just go with something very clean. I might just go with, like, I don't know, fucking breakfast cereal. Something that's completely hands-free. Let's think like a like a rice and grilled chicken or some something stupid and boring like that. I, I don't know. These are things that have to be thought about. These are pressing questions. These are big questions, and I don't know how to answer them on the spot like that. But I do appreciate you writing in. Now, Mr. Hey3V8AZ, who, who says Kev... Kev Boz, Kev, Kev Boz, I'm so sorry guys, I'm going to be so bad with names forever, that's just going to always be the the case, wrote in for the first time last week, and this week says, thanks for the mention, by the way, K3V8AZ equals Kev Boz, I uh, guess people don't do leet these days, whatever that means, I, I don't know, I I'm, I'm, had to use, had the username since OG Xbox, I can respect that, I I used to be Saka Boy back in the old days, now you say Cornish Pasty, not pasty, by the way. Pasty, Cornish pasty, pasty, Cornish pasty. Why am I? Thank you. Is more than meat pie, my friend. Great history involving tin miners in Southwest England. Onto gaming. Uh, just watched Gamescom. How much does Jeff hate Xbox? Great Game Pass trailer, and he couldn't care less. And it, and he looked like Phil Spencer had just took a shit in his shoes. Then he gets a massive bone over Ratchet and Clank, and I just lost count of the amount of times he said SSD. Thoughts? Biggest takeaway was Dragon Age 4 for me. So I'm going to be really honest with you. I hate Gamescom because it's it, it it's like this thing that like tries to ride fresh off the heels of E3. And I know there was no E3 this year, but it, it's like this thing that like tries to it's like ride the uh, the kind of ecstasy and, and, and high that comes from E3 ending because it takes place just shortly after later in the summer. And it's like a bigger it's a bigger event. It's a grander event. There's a lot more happening. But nothing really happens at the same time. It's like more people, more companies, more presentations, more showroom floor space, all that stuff. And then I feel like you learn nothing. There are very few Gamescom stories every year. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm not a fan of the event. So this week with it being all digital and with me just being like, I'm really fucking tired of just all these many millions and billions of fucking digital events left and right. that are like, try our digital event, our digital event, and just, and just no news of like when these consoles are coming. All of this has just kind of really turned me off and gotten me just fed up with this shit. So I tried to tune in after uh, every day of Gamescom to be like, okay, what was the what was the shit that happened? What did I miss? Seemed like first of all, it seemed like Gamescom was extraordinarily focused on not Xbox this year. So I just that was there, um, but also just I don't know. I don't to to, to answer your comments here. Yes, Je- Jeff Keeley definitely seems like he's got a, a PlayStation favoritism, and that's cool to have a preference. I get that, but it is kind of weird how like. He's the guy who does the Game Awards every year, and he was the guy who got to announce and be there on stage to introduce the Xbox Series X, and he just, like, almost never talks about Xbox. He, he keeps talking about how, like, a few weeks ago he got to, like, hold a PlayStation 5 controller, and he's, like, he's he's been more, like, high on that than he has been on announcing the next generation of Xbox. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely see and pick up on what you're saying here. 
For sure. He definitely seems like he's like, oh, PlayStation this and PlayStation that. And all my friends at IGN and, and, and Hideo Kojima, who I always talk about all the time. And he's like, oh, and Xbox, mad respect to Xbox. Anyway, and then, and then PlayStation, blah, blah, blah. So I definitely pick up on that a lot. He seems, I don't know why, he just seems like he's very buddy. I used to follow IGN a lot more closely. Now I just kind of read their site and don't really follow the personalities there as much. But he seems like he's always been really buddy-buddy with a lot of the IGN crew. And IGN's always had a lot of that too, where or, or in recent history or the past generation, where they were also very like, we try to stay impartial, we try to find room and love for everything, but eh, PlayStation over Xbox all day, every day. And so I definitely get that, you know, not just from Jeff, not just from IGN, but from the games industry at large, it really just seems like games media in particular has a big old PlayStation bias, which is, it's fine because I, I mean, at the end of the day, this, this isn't politics, guys. This is just video games it's like okay which one do you prefer it's probably the one that all your colleagues and friends play it's probably the one that's popular and the most fun to talk about it's like whatever i get it people just like playstation it's kind of the bandwagony cool platform to be on whatever keep in mind you know this xbox was kind of in this position in the 360 days a lot of people who were traditionally not xbox people were pretty into 360 it was just a lot of people's default platform because it was what most people seem to have it was most what most people seem to talk about so I feel like games industry or ga- or games media and, and, and these kinds of people used to be a little more Xbox heavy back in the 360 days when PlayStation was a little less favorable in the public perception. So it, it kind of sways back and forth, but I agree. I, I feel like I feel like it's been PlayStation for too long now, and it's it's not gonna change because I think now that both brands have matured the way they have, I think that we just kind of see that PlayStation gets the default win in most conversations and it's really not it's it's no longer really a matter of who has the better console who has the better games i really think it's just as simple as like people just like playstation it's it's nothing against xbox but people just kind of have a a preference and i think it's just something you have to deal with and put up with it's i i roll my eyes a little bit but i don't see it as like jeff being like you know intentionally like fuck xbox i'm a fanboy who wants xbox to suffer i just see it as like he clearly has a preference and you know, he is also a gamer. He's also a consumer of, of this kind of thing. And, and therefore, he he just kind of naturally shows his excitement for the, the thing he's most excited about. You know, like if I were in Jeff's position, I, I'm not going to lie. I would definitely be I would try to show excitement for both sides because I am excited about both things. But I would be significantly and in, in, in more like obviously interested in whatever's happening in Xbox land over PlayStation because I'm just an Xbox guy. So I, I try to keep that in check, but yeah, he does definitely does come off as like an Xbox guy. Um, but in all, in, in, in all, all due respect, that Ratchet and Clank demo did look pretty good. That game looks really good. Now I, I will say this. People are, people are acting like Ratchet and Clank. This new, this new Ratchet and Clank is like the most like visually stunning game in the whole world. Like, don't get me wrong. It looks beautiful. And I know I've said on this podcast that like that like level warping they just do on the fly, that really is a next gen feature. But just in terms from like a visual fidelity standpoint, the game doesn't look leaps and bounds better than a PlayStation 4 game. I just again we we are in that point now where it's like kind of diminishing returns with a uh, console fidelity, you know, just because the Series X is the most powerful console ever me- made doesn't mean that Series X games are gonna look infinitely better than Xbox One games. You know, it's like the jump from 2D to 3D, the jump from 8-bit to 16-bit, these were, like, the more notable jumps just in terms of, like, obvious visual appeal. 
but so I so like it is kind of annoying to see people constantly be like, wow, that new Ratchet and Clank game is just the most next gen looking thing ever. I'm like, have you ever played the Ratchet and Clank game? I love that series. It's one of my favorite series of all time. I love Insomniac. I love Ratchet and Clank. So take this from someone who really loves this franchise. This does not look like the most groundbreaking game. It looks like another really great Ratchet and Clank game and nothing more. But whatever. Uh, biggest takeaway was Dragon Age 4. I, I don't really... They didn't really do much or say much about Dragon Age 4, did they? I, I'll, I'll be honest. I know I'm supposed to be the host of this podcast and we're supposed to talk about news, but I just don't care about Gamescom. And we're going to see that again when TGS happens in, in, in a couple weeks here. Really, my thing is like... Like, obviously, E3 is the big one, and then when the companies have, like, their own individual conferences, but for the most part, there's just so many of these, like, PAX events and Gamescoms and things like that that I just, at a certain point, you just got to roll your eyes and be like, hey, I, I have a life, too. It's not all about following these uh, these trade show events, but next commenter here, OG Man Man says, shout out to LeapFrog. Shout out indeed to LeapFrog. And then Dead Captain James comes in and says, I'm very much looking forward to the new Gotham Knights game. I don't understand why people are so negative on it. And, uh, you, you know, I think Dead Captain James has a good point here. So that's why I commented back and said, WB Montreal has definitely been fighting an uphill battle simply for not being rock steady. Really unfortunate. And this is just absolutely true. That Batman um, Origin, Arkham Origins game they made a few years ago, before, right before uh, Arkham Knight came out, it was like, I, I mean, I don't play any of these games, but from what, I, from what it seems like, it was a pretty competent, pretty solid game that just got a lot of, like, hate or or didn't get enough love because it wasn't a rocksteady game and then i mean obviously it sold well and performed well but because you know to the average consumer who doesn't know anything about studios and things like that they just saw another batman game but it's just one of those things where it's like i feel like you know gamers and the industry and things like that just don't pay enough respect to wb montreal simply because they're kind of stuck in the shadow of rocksteady and that's a really unfortunate situation so Dead Captain James says, it looks fun and different, referring to Gotham uh, Knight. He says, I personally love RPG elements in my games, as long as there isn't tons of dialogue. Damage numbers and health bars don't bother me at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're excited for this game, and I and I suspect that the game will sell very respectably and do really well, especially being an earlier-in-the-generation kind of game uh, for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it really is a thing where it's like, even just the way media's been covering these two game announcements it really feels like uh justice league or 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 suicide squad killed the justice league is like the big reveal here and then gotham knights is like the supplemental kind of alternative experience even though it's the more imminent game it's the more like fully developed and ready game so that's that's an interesting thing to point out viking of the north says oh and flight simulator is really fun playing on pc i think the series x should definitely launch with it it's a console seller question mark maybe just depends i never played a flight sim game in my life and i think it's really good it's a good option and of course uh with game pass you can get it without paying 60 bucks battletoads is cool too like the art style a lot so again yeah i'm really glad people are liking flight simulator uh one of you guys took umbrage with me because i called it a niche game the other week i don't know i i, I don't again I, I what i mean by that is i don't think flight simulator is a game that's getting casual gamers to flock to their xboxes to go and download Flight Simulator, you know, it's not, it's not Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed here, okay guys, it's a flight simulator, it's for enthusiasts and, and certain gamers, and, and for people who just want to see a really cool demonstration of technology, so, I don't know, that's all I meant, 
But I'm glad people are enjoying it. I'm really excited to give it a try uh, on the Xbox Series X later this year, hopefully. And then Sarugi says, as we near the end of the comments here, Sarugi says, My name was spoken and I have arisen. Another great culinary podcast, my man. Just with a dash of gaming-related stuff to titillate the taste buds. And really... That's all we're here for. Now, if you could just get Doritos to sponsor the podcast, that would just tie everything in nicely. I would love a sponsor from Doritos because, listen, I I may have said this on the podcast before. There's kind of like the old Xbox 360 era stereotype of like the Xbox gamer. It's like the cool, like the bro dude and the Doritos and the Mountain Dew and the Gears of War and the Call of Duty and all that shit. And listen, I, I lament the loss of that image and that era and that kind of persona i unironically love that shit man i would love to be the guy sitting there playing on my xbox series x halo infinite like fucking cool ranch in one hand and uh and uh code red in the other like i'm a i'm a doritos halo mountain dew loving motherfucker and i'm uh, i'm proud of it so listen i don't know how to get in contact with doritos i don't know if anyone here works for frito-lay or anything like that but it, if you got the connections if you can get Doritos to sponsor this show, by all fucking means, I will I will do a Joe Rogan seven-minute at the beginning of the podcast sponsor shout-out to Doritos every episode, if that's what it takes. I will wear Doritos Xbox on branded hoodies in every video appearance. I will do whatever. I will get Doritos tattooed like a fucking tramp stamp. I don't care. Let's let's uh let's Let's make this happen. You guys can start the hashtag on social media. Hashtag X, Xbox Doritos. I don't know. You guys come up with it. I'm a, I'm a lazy fuck. Continuing on. Surugi says, Quantum Break was a brilliant game. Absolutely loved the hell out of it. Such a shame to know that there won't be a sequel. Maybe since it's part of the RCU, Remedy Connected Universe, they can tie it up the loose ends in another game or at least mention it. Speaking of the RCU, I hope you're jumping back into control to see what Mr. Wake has been up to all these years. I haven't played anything in two months due to other life commitments, but... I'm hella keen for this. So, uh, first of all, shout out to Quantum Break. What a wonderful game. Now, I don't think you'll ever see Quantum Break mentioned in the Remedy Connected universe because that game is still very much Xbox-centric and Xbox kind of focused. Uh, unlike other Remedy games, I know Remedy kind of has their independence and, and, and really isn't too associated with Microsoft these days, or at least not solely. But Quantum Break has a lot of, like, Xbox pro- or Microsoft product placement, like they use Surface tablets in that game, and there's like a lot of like Xbox specific kind of marketing and stuff around it. So I don't know. My thing is that with that game being not only just published by by Microsoft, but also with you know some more funding and more Xbox specific product placement and 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 things like that. I think the idea, you know, also like the the TV part just kind of being a cumbersome kind of antiquated thing to just transfer across all mediums. I think that game's going to end up kind of being one of those like stranded on Xbox things and I say stranded in quotes because of course Xbox is backwards compatible, so you'll always be able to play Quantum Break as long as you're on PC or Xbox, which is a pretty wide audience you know it's not like straining something on the the wii u or anything but yeah I, I just i feel like if there's any remedy game that's ripe for like just being stranded on xbox or never getting remade or revisited i think it's quantum break the game also just didn't really do all that well it just didn't it didn't sell super well or, or it, it only did pretty well commercial or critically you know by the standards of a Remedy game, it didn't light the world on fire. So I, I just wouldn't be surprised if if they kind of continue on with Control and Alan Wake and, and new stuff and just kind of let Quantum Break sit in the corner and, and, and rot. So I don't love that that's the case, but I, I think, I suspect that's what we're getting here. 
Now, I haven't jumped back into Control. I'm waiting for both DLCs to be out, not just one of them. And then I'm going to wait for a price drop on the DLC. And then I'm going to play it because, well, first of all, I'm just not in the mood for Control now. I'm so far removed from it. But second of all, just because DLC is one of those things where I'm going to jump into it kind of out of context and be a little lost and not really get as much appreciation and experience out of. So might as well just play it on the cheap and, and kind of make it a weekend thing. Um, and then re remember, Alan Wake, I, I still haven't finished it. I'm kind of just like stuck in that. I need to get back to Alan Wake. But I am excited to eventually get caught up on these things. M much like you say here, how you haven't really been playing a lot lately. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy man as well. I I, uh, I work a job. I have a podcast. I, I'm very anxious and I spend a lot of time stressing over things I shouldn't be stressed about. So I find ways to occupy my time. There's not, I'm not just sitting there in front of the TV all day playing the Xbox. I love the Xbox. It's one of my favorite pastimes. I love the, the Microsoft branded gaming sphere, but I've got other commitments, guys. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big fucking deal. I don't know if you ever heard my music or seen my my television, but I, I have other creative projects. There are other irons in the fire, okay? It's not all just podcasting. But as we wrap up these comments, we got Count Scottula coming back in. He says, I appreciate you covering my lengthy comment from last week. Hypothetically, you are an executive at Microsoft with unlimited power and money with a sole focus of making sure that the consoles are selling. Name three things you would do between now and launch to sell those remaining customers still on the fence. Now, I meant to really think about this question when I read it a few days ago, but I, I didn't come up with three things. I'm sorry. Let me let me explain the let me kind of morph your question around and, and answer it differently. Here's the one thing I think Microsoft is constantly fucking up with that they needed they need to change. Something they could learn from Sony, something they could do, I think, to to reset and properly orient uh hype and marketing and things like that and just the kind of messaging around their games and and this is a subjective obviously kind of take as everything is but it, particularly this just because you may think the way microsoft is handling things right now is is great with their messaging but i i i'm kind of torn so i i think a big a big plus that a lot of xbox gamers don't acknowledge in the playstation ecosystem especially in recent history, this is very much a recent history thing, is that Sony is so good at the only speaking when they absolutely have to kind of thing. And I, I think they kind of learned that from Nintendo. In fact, Nintendo's so good at only talking when they need to, only announcing when they need to, only going into details when they need to. They're so fucking good at that that they don't even have, Nintendo doesn't even fucking have a 2020 games lineup and no one cares. Nintendo doesn't even have a reason why you need to buy the Nintendo Switch for the summer and the fall and the winter of 2020. That's fucking mind-blowing. And they're still selling Switches like crazy. Nintendo's entire 2020 history is going to be, early in the year, we released Animal Crossing, and it sold better than everything in the world, just period. Everyone just kept buying it over and over again. And then we never talked about another game, and we never did anything else ever again. The end. And they're still going to be the best-selling console of the year, the most appreciated uh, platform of the year, because people just love Nintendo. And, you know, it's funny for, you know, us as Xbox fans to kind of, like, look at that and be like, oh, my God, that's so laughable. I can't believe Nintendo hasn't even announced their fall lineup, and here we are in September. But it's like... That's that's impressive. Also, you know, you got to think about this on the on the flip side. That's really impressive that Microsoft or that Nintendo's just making this this crazy money by not even having a platform. Being like, hey, we have this platform and we have no plans for supporting it. 
and we have no roadmap for it and nothing to share with you, just go ahead and buy the shit anyway. And people are doing it. And I think Sony, to a more strategic, uh, uh, to a more strategic kind of sense, is is doing a similar thing as Nintendo. And we saw this starting a few years ago when when Sony was like, "Hey, we're not going to E3 this year. You know, we're going to do our own event when we're ready." Because this is one of those things where PlayStation is like, "Yeah, this year we only have so many games to talk about, or we're ramping up for the new console generation, so we don't have a huge blowout year." And so Sony talks less often, and only, you know, when it's appropriate or when it's necessary. They do their Nintendo Direct-style PlayStation State of Plays where they'll be like, okay, this one's completely dedicated to this new upcoming game like Ghost of Tsushima, and then otherwise we won't talk about it too much, and they'll do like, okay, here's our PlayStation 5 event, and then they do it. It's a one-time thing, and then they get out of the way, and they stop talking. Microsoft ha- Microsoft is the exact opposite of, of Sony in this regard, and of course, like I said, better for war- better. For better or worse, it's a subjective thing. But Microsoft is so engaged with their audience and so so keen on just constantly keeping their audience in the loop that I think they talk too much. Like we're about to get into in the news. They're coming they're coming to Tokyo Game Show, but they've already made it clear they're not really talking about anything. You know, they show up at Gamescom every year, and PlayStation usually doesn't. And they have their own things with like with like X, inside Xbox, but then they always show up at E3 without fail, and then they have like XO events, and in between all that, they've already had multiple digital events this year, and they're just always on Twitter announcing things. And Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer is out there talking about what's going on in the world of Xbox more than any head of any gaming platform or gaming division ever. He's just always out, like, every week, it's, like, news new stories coming out, like, Phil Spencer's on this podcast, now he's on this podcast, now he's talking to this outlet, and he's in this interview, and he's talking to this magazine, and it's just all these things, and, you know, as Xbox fans, we love it, because we're constantly getting drip-fed all these new sound bites and all this new information, and it's really exciting, because it's a great way to stay connected with the audience, speak with them directly, engage with them, we love it, right? It's awesome, but then, you know, you think about it, it's like, okay, well, Microsoft just keeps talking about the same few games and the same console, and they keep sharing the same details over and over again. And I get that. It's like, you know, we keep hearing Microsoft just say the same stuff, the most powerful console ever made, uh, smart delivery, blah, blah, blah. I get it. They're trying to, you know, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, xCloud. They're trying to get these these concepts and these marketing terms ingrained in our psyches so we know, you know, Xbox isn't just... Halo 3 and Doritos anymore. Xbox is Game Pass. Player games where you want, how you want, all these things. Xbox isn't just big stuff like Gears of War. It can also be grounded or bleeding edge. And so I get that a lot of this is a, is a savvy attempt to be like, guys, this is the new evolution of Xbox. This is what it can be outside of what you always thought Xbox was. So there is a deliberate and intentional kind of strategic plan here but you, at some point you got to sit back and say is this working because we're so like so many times this summer microsoft has talked about you know, come out and said something about next gen or or something about halo infinite or something about xbox series x just in general and it's just like we're getting the same information over and over and over again like during that conference i, I was talking about you know it's cool that we saw hellblade 2 it's cool that we saw um like fucking you know the reveal for fable but it's like why did they show Hellblade 2 during that July event without like really saying anything new? They didn't they didn't say shit. They basically announced that there's a new developer diary on on YouTube. It's like, "What? You're using your big showcase time to talk about that?" And it's like they finally announced Fable, one of the worst kept secrets in the games industry, but they didn't have a gameplay demo or really anything to show. It was just like a a tone piece teaser. It's like, "What? 
That's all you have to show after years and years of of leaks and stuff. It's like there's almost this this question that that must be asked. Does Xbox need to be more like PlayStation, more like Nintendo, where they just they just keep their mouths shut and say, "Hey, we know you guys are starving for information, but we're going to talk when we're ready to talk." So that you know, so that you're trained to understand when we say we have something to tell you, it means it's big. It means it's exciting. Because I think that's the biggest problem with the Xbox brand right now is Microsoft says we're going to have a presentation at this event or we're going to hold a digital showcase on this day or Phil Spencer's showing up on this podcast this week. And everyone goes, oh my God, oh my God, okay, okay. So they bought these Japanese studios and they're going to announce these studio acquisitions and they're going to have this feature for Halo Infinite and the Series X is going to cost $17.32 and it's going to be available on September 17th and oh my God. It's, and they start hyping up and speculating all this bullshit. It's like, guys, calm the fuck down. Xbox is always everywhere at once. They're always talking about some shit. Like, understand that we've gotten to the point with Xbox where if, if Microsoft says there's going to be something Xbox-related happening on a certain day, there's a good chance it's just like a, just like an FYI or a reminder or a touch-up. Like, a, hey, just just remember, this is what our plans are. Whereas if Sony comes out tomorrow and says, yo, we're doing a big PlayStation 5-related event next week, everyone's going to be like, holy fuck, and then they, you know you're in for a treat. You know you're going to get a release date, some pricing information. And so this is just me trying to be very fair. I love Microsoft. I'm very unabashedly uh, a fanboy of of Xbox and Surface and Microsoft in general on the show all the time. I'm always taking the Xbox side, but sometimes you just gotta you gotta call some bullshit out where you see it. You gotta be critical where where it's you know where it's necessary. And I think this is again potentially a situation where it's like, is Microsoft fucking this up? Maybe maybe the problem here and and I know I'm going so far away from what you asked, but I really wanted to use this as a jumping off point for this because I can't help but wonder, it's like, is the problem with the Xbox that Microsoft is just so constantly hyping shit and saying, we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it, and so constantly tuned in and engaged with the audience that they uh, that they kind of kill their own hype, that they, that they kind of let people down because they constantly set expectations when maybe they just need to lay low and keep their heads down and work on something. But then at the same time, you can make the argument, well, Jesse, they, the reason why Xbox needs to be that way with their marketing is because they're not like PlayStation. They're not just making a small handful of AAA games, and that's it. Bada boom. You got the third parties. You got the AAAs, and you got the console. They're, they have Game Pass. They have services to support. That's why they need to be in constant communication with the audience because Xbox is... Xbox as a platform is kind of like it's like Destiny for for hardware, right? It's like a it's like if Destiny is a games as a service, it's a video game that lives and evolves and changes constantly as it goes on. Xbox is kind of that in the in the console hardware space, right? Because whether you're talking about Xbox hardware, different generations of the hardware or XCloud or PC, Xbox is constantly an evolving thing with Game Pass and all these things that it's like every day the Xbox platform's a little different because it's so fluid with all these different platforms and all these different iterations of hardware and all these services that comprise the Xbox brand that maybe it it requires and it warrants a little more of a constant communication and a constant, here's the most up-to-date information. So you got these two sides of the argument, but I, I almost wonder if that is kind of where Microsoft has gone wrong. Because imagine this. Imagine if Microsoft has only had one one showing this whole summer for the Xbox. Not the not the one they did in May and then the one they did in July. Imagine if they just had the July one and they were really quiet leading up to it 
And they're just like, boom, here's all of our games. Here's all of our big announcements. And then a few months later, they're just like, and here's a price date, a price and release date and pre-orders are up. You can argue that maybe we'd be more upset with them. Maybe we'd be less upset with them. Maybe it'd be good, maybe it'd be bad, but things would certainly be very different in terms of the expectations set and the amount of like hype slash like, you know, hype set versus hype met or or, or not attained. So I, I just think there's, I don't know. I think this is an idea worth exploring is that maybe Microsoft needs to show up at fewer events, talk less often about, you know, the same things. And, and maybe just, maybe they just need to learn the thing that it seems like their Japanese counterparts over at Sony and Nintendo, you know, what they've been exercising for years now, which is that, maybe sometimes less is more and that's i think that's something that microsoft maybe needs to just try out because if they were just less if they were just talking less about all this shit constantly then maybe people would be a little more just like yeah you know just pumped about it so i i don't know again that could be a very bad take but i think sometimes that's the thing is microsoft says we're doing another event we're going to another show and everyone thinks oh my god you're gonna announce all this new shit and it's like no guys we're just going to show you yet another trailer for the same game we've been talking about for over a year. So it, it's all about how you how you set those expectations. And I wonder if Microsoft's precedent for how they do news has just set it just sets too much hype and, and leaves too much room for disappointment. And maybe that's maybe that's a thing where Microsoft has to help teach their audience by being like, guys, we can do more events without it always meaning that we got a big a big massive Halo Infinite size piece of news, you know? Maybe it's about trying to teach the audience that because Nintendo and Sony have set the precedent that, you know, whenever we do an event, it has to be something big. So I don't know, but I think they could benefit from just laying low a little bit more often. That's all That's, that's all I'm saying. And uh, I mean, now it's I guess it's kind of too late because Microsoft has already said so much about this console minus, you know, the price and the release date. So it is what it is. I think the focus at this point, there's really nothing they can do. The, the release date's locked in. You know, the or the November time slot is locked in. Halo Infinite has been delayed. I think really all they can do is focus on just trying to get a solid price, get out before the PlayStation, and really drive home, you know, the user-friendly and the community-driven, you know, the, the, the game passes and the backwards compatibility and all those perks that don't exist on PlayStation. Really just try to drive those points home, which is what they've been doing. So I think they're kind of on track. There's really, with without any big games like a Halo Infinite or a Fable to have, there's really not much they can do, and and you know, delaying it is is not on the table because they've uh, they basically said that's that's not a thing that's happening. So I don't know. All, all I can really hope for personally, I, I still think we're in this situation where with Microsoft we're just we're just buying time. We're still just waiting. Some of these studios are still so new to the Xbox family. We're still just waiting for everyone to kind of have their cadence, their game release cadence ready to go so that we can have this normal, you know, rhythm of like new games coming out. So we're still just kind of waiting. It's really just a plan, a waiting game. But if there's one thing I wish they would do just for like my own perspective, I really do wish they'd get like a Japanese developer. I think that that'd be good for Xbox. Now, our last question here of the day comes from Jay, who says, I've only been around here since episode 60, but I'm slowly catching up on previous episodes. So forgive me if this topic has already been discussed previously, but being a Halo fan, what's your opinion of Halo Spartan Assault? Spartan Assault is uh, is just fine. It is a totally adequate twin stick shooter that is fine. I, uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. The story is kind of just like whatever, and the gameplay is average at best. Those games go... There's a Spartan Assault and Spartan Strike, 
And the, I think Spartan Strike was the one that's like only on Windows 10 and Windows 10 Mobile. So you had to play on like a Windows phone or like a Windows 10 PC. But I have both of them. I've played them on my Windows phone. I played Spartan Assault on my Xbox. I, I like them. I enjoy them. They're fun, but they're not. They're not Halo. They're they're just uh, they're just kind of these like little side bite sized like mobile experiences, and uh, they're inoffensive. They're fine. I like them. I I think I feel like the Halo community doesn't give en- enough attention and credit, but uh, on on the large scale, it's uh, it's clearly this this thing that didn't really take off, and that's kind of why they don't talk about it. And why they never brought Spartan Strike over to Xbox is because they, they know they're not particularly great. So, well, I, what did, I don't know. What did, did you like them? Did you enjoy them? I, they're they're pretty decent. Now, I would just like to mention this as well. Now, this, is, this isn't this is a comment from one of you in the audience, but the official Microsoft Surface Twitter account did direct message me. The official Microsoft Surface Twitter account. They DM'd me on, on Twitter and they said, hey, we'd love to use your tweet in marketing materials. Please fill out this release form. And it was a tweet I, I responded to uh, Microsoft's Panos Panay, the the lead of Surface at Microsoft and Windows 10 experiences. And I, I sent him a picture of me holding the Surface Duo because I recently went to Best Buy to play around with one. And I was amazed by it. So I took a picture of it and I replied to one of his tweets telling him how much I loved the device, how incredibly thin it was, how beautiful and impressive it was. And Microsoft Surface liked the tweet and a couple, couple notable Microsoft people liked the tweet, and then it just got a little bit of traction, maybe only like 20 likes or something, but then the Microsoft Surface account was like, hey, we'd like to use this for marketing material, so I'm only telling you this to let you know that, yeah, Microsoft's not listening to my Xbox podcast, but... I mean, clearly they're not. They wouldn't. They wouldn't want to work with me or or do anything with me if they knew the kind of shit we're talking about in this show. But they they reached out to me and said, "We love that picture of your beautiful hands holding a Surface Duo." And uh, I just want to let you know, if there's no episode next week, it's probably because I've become rich and famous, and I now work at Microsoft on the Surface team, and I'm doing bigger and better things. So that's the only reason why I wanted to bring this up. My tweet got me famous. It's going to be used in marketing material. Keep an eye out. You might see my hands being modeled in some Microsoft Surface commercials in the future. Probably wouldn't be surprised to see me like on a Macy's Day Parade float. It's probably going to happen. I'll probably be with Bill Gates. So just something to throw out there. Pretty cool. And that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, whatever this week. We're an hour in. Of course we are. Uh, remember, as always, guys, don't be shy. Reply. And uh, now that we've talked about what I've uh, what I've been what, the comments and whatnot, we'll go into what I've been playing. But of course, before I can tell you about the video games I've been playing, we've got to tell you about what I've been eating. Actually, right before I hit record, my girlfriend made this really awesome like uh, Korean beef bulgogi barbecue kind of knockoff thing that was really delicious. It's, it's really good. It's sitting in my tummy. And then also shout out to Pollo Tropical, which is this uh, this fast food like Caribbean chicken restaurant here in Florida that uh, I, I knew about it before I lived here because they tried to expand outside to other parts of the US. When I lived in Georgia, there was like a two year period where there were like a handful of these restaurants and then they just all went under and, and, and went away. But uh, what I've grown to to learn living in Florida here is is the Floridians, the locals, they're quite fond of the Pollo Tropical. So I, I don't know why it succeeded so well here, but not so much back home in Georgia, but it's a good restaurant. It's a fast food restaurant that specializes in like Caribbean chicken and rice dishes and, and things like that. And they have a variety of delicious desserts like flans and things like that. And uh, I just want to throw them out there. I like their chicken rice bowls a lot. I, I think to myself when I eat one because they're delicious and there's one near my my, my work. So I often eat there now. And, and, and I think to myself, 
why would anyone go to Chipotle? If you live in the state of Florida and you have access to the Pollo Tropical, why would you go to Chipotle and get one of those shitty-ass burrito bowls for, like, four times the price, probably, because fucking because that place is outrageous. But, like, why would you why would you get one of those those burrito bowls when you could just get a, a Pollo Tropical rice and chicken bowl? It's a... Uh, it's a question I've been pondering. For those of you unfamiliar with the the Pollo Tropical, I, I recommend you look them up. They're uh, pretty decent. It's one of those fast food restaurants that like prides itself in like not being completely shit quality. You know, you know, Chick Fil A is like, yeah, of course we're unhealthy, we're fast food, but our food's kind of like nice quality. That's kind of how Pollo Tropical is. It's like you're not gonna you're not gonna eat there and be like, wow, I'm uh, I have diarrhea for the next two weeks. You know, it's you can eat there and not feel like total shit. So shout out to the Pollo Tropical now. As far as what I've been playing this past week, I always playing a little Halo 5. I finished Battletoads. I got I got to say massive shout out to Battletoads. That game is way better than it has any right being and I fully expected to not give a shit about this game when it was first announced and then even when they kind of showed it a few weeks ago before it came out and I'm so pleasantly surprised and so happy to report that I actually really really like this game. It's actually one of the best gaming experiences I've had this whole year. It's one of my favorite games of the year already. It's just such a really charming game. First of all, it's super like story and cutscene focused, and the whole thing plays out like a Saturday morning cartoon, as you know, it's kind of the intention, and it's just really, really funny and fun throughout. It's so engaging. And and I thought, you know, well, I, I, I don't like the brawlers and the hard games. I don't want too much of that. And the game, it's like the game's aware of that. And somewhere in the second act, it's just like, okay, and that's it for your brawling levels. And then, like, the rest of the game just turns into all these other types of levels. It's a it's a sh- twin stick space shoot 'em up it's a, it's a mini game. It's a gravity bikes, like, racing game thing. It's a boss battles and all this other shit. It does so much shit. It's hard to explain. And I, I know a lot of you out there have already played it, so you're familiar with what I'm talking about but the game's just constantly coming up with all these fun little new levels and new mechanics and new things to spice up the gameplay and it all plays in so well with the with the story and the in the cutscenes so it's just a very entertaining four four and a half hours of a game I played it on the medium difficulty and regretted not playing on the easy difficulty because it is it is challenging but I was still able to get through it just fine in a four and a half hour playthrough which I guess is a little on the long side but I really enjoyed the game. It's a lot of easy gamer score, really funny writing, a lot of charm, a lot of artistic talent into the game. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a bold statement here. Now, obviously, Cuphead is like you know a work of art in terms of that game's art style and aesthetic. I, I would never try to take that away from that game. Cuphead is just fucking mind blowing. What an amazing feat of a game. The fact that that game exists, the way it looks, and everything. But from a gameplay perspective, even though it is solid, Cuphead's just not my thing. So I'm really happy that Battletoads ended up kind of inadvertently or unintentionally being this this alternate Microsoft funded and kind of published secondary uh, brawler exclusive for Xbox One. It's kind of funny how that worked out. So in a way, it to me, it kind of feels like Battletoads is my Cuphead because even though I love Cuphead from a visual standpoint, I think it's such an amazing, awesome, impressive game. I recognize that Battletoads is the game that's like for me from like a gameplay perspective. Battletoads is the game I can play and be like, okay, I can beat this. This is reasonable. This is a tough but fair challenge. I can. This is for me. And, and on top of that, it's just the gameplay is so varied and so exciting and the story is so funny that it's just a it's just a great treat all around. I really, really highly recommend Battletoads. I can't believe I'm sitting here saying this is like one of my favorite games I played in 2020, but it really is. And I uh, 
I think if you have Xbox Game Pass and you don't at least try to play the first hour of Battletoads, I think you're really doing yourself a big disservice because it's just so much fun. It's just so funny that the early in the early in the game, one of the one of the funniest, easiest jokes that you access pretty early in the in the game, kind of poking fun at at rare a little bit and the obscurity of the Battletoads IP, just being like, why the hell is this even a thing? Why are we making a Battletoads game? It's just a uh, the kind of level of self-awareness in the game is really awesome. And uh, they, they, the studio at Delala who, who made the game over in the UK, they did a great job of saying, okay, we've, we have this kind of obscure old cult classic rare IP to work with. How are we going to do this in a way that t- tells people like, Hey, here's the battle toads. We know no one was asking for them to come back, but here's why you care anyway. And they did such an amazing job of driving that point home of being like, here's, you know, here's this old, obscure IP that we're going to somehow make relevant and interesting. And they did just a phenomenal job. Really, really highly recommend that. Now, the other game I've been playing is Tell Me Why. Uh, episode 1 came out last week. Episode 2 is coming out this week. The final episode, Episode 3, will be out next week. So I really appreciate that kind of cadence, that release schedule, that Don't Nod is trying here. But uh, Tell Me Why. I played all of Episode 1. It is Don't Nod, the makers of Life is Strange. Uh, this is their new game. It's very much a Life is Strange type game, um, although I guess it's not technically in that universe because they haven't said so, and it doesn't have the Life is Strange moniker. Now, of course, tell me why the reason why it isn't related to that is because it is an Xbox Game Studios published game. It is a second-party game where Don't Nod, a team not owned by Microsoft, made the game for the Xbox platform, uh, and it was funded and published by Microsoft. And I gotta say, this is a, this is a nice... It's a nice game. It's a nice palate cleanser from Battletoads because it's just so polar opposite of what Battletoads is. It's very serious. It's very narrative driven. It's, uh, you know, kind of one of those um, action or it's one of those like um, choice driven games uh, instead of like a gameplay combat focused game. So if you are a Life is Strange fan, I will say this is a good game for you. This is a this is going to be right up your alley. And after Life is Strange 2, I felt very conflicted because I'm a massive fan of Life is Strange 1 and Life is Strange Before the Storm, which, of course, was made by a Deck 9 instead of instead of Don't Nod. And also The Amazing Adventures of Captain Spirit or Captain Awesome, whatever that game's called. I loved that little one-off, one-episode game they did. All of that. But then Life is Strange 2 was god-awful. Like, I, I, if you will know if you heard this podcast earlier in the year when I finally got around to playing Life is Strange 2. I thought Life is Strange 2 was, like, hot garbage. That game actually sucks. Like... Like, the more and more removed I get from that game, the more I think that game is, like, actually irredeemably bad. Episode 1 is, like, is like moderately promising. It's interesting. It's compelling. It has some of that campy, weird writing that Don't Nod does. Um, but it's, it's like, a pretty decent setup. And then Episodes 2 through 5 are just complete shit. Like, the game continues to find ways to get even shittier and stupider than it did before. Like, Life is Strange 2 is so awful. It's, it's like, unfathomable unfathomable to me how the fuck don't nod went from life is strange one which is incredible to life is strange two which is the worst and the thing would tell me why is like i'm like okay well now i'm a little burned because i fucking love your first game i love what this other studio did with your first game and i hate your second game it's awful and so i I was a little hesitant would tell me why i liked the premise of the game but i but i was a little nervous that they're going to be maybe too heavy-handed with it and try to do because that was the problem with life is strange too is it tries to be like way too heavy-handed with its social commentary and it comes off as like more of a joke and like a satire than like a serious 
drama and and that's definitely not what they were going for so it's really unfortunate you know that that it just becomes so laughably bad um so i was worried that tell me why would maybe be a similar thing because tell me why is like life is strange too where it, it definitely delves a lot in social commentary and things like that so in, in social quality which is a lot of what life is strange too tackled but i'm happy to say that with tell me why or at least so far just from playing episode one so far i i'm pleasantly surprised i like it i it's definitely not nearly as good as the first life is strange but it's not awful like life is strange 2 was it's 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 okay my actually my biggest gripe with the game isn't that like some like characters are uninteresting or the writing's bad my biggest issue with it is i find the game a little boring i find it a little slow I find the like the motive or like the the main plot isn't really picking up the way like think about it like this the Life is Strange games are always five episodes long but Tell Me Why is only three episodes so obviously they have a more truncated kind of narrative to tell here but with episode one being thirty three percent of your story I'm just surprised that you know I'm I'm through that first episode that first thirty three percent of the game and it really doesn't feel like the narrative has picked up too much I feel like. Normally, these episodes end on, like, big cliffhangers where big action things happen, like, big changes happen towards the end of the episode and kind of leave you wanting more and really sets things up for the next episode. But, honestly, the episode one of Tell Me Why didn't really end with, like, a big old, like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? So, it's a little underwhelming, a little slow, a little boring, but I like the characters, I like the premise, I, I mostly like what's happening in the story. The only thing I don't like about the game, the only thing I objectively am like, oh, this game's not like this is stupid is um the little trolls thing they're doing trying to make the siblings like to have this like little through line where they're like the trolls and like this thing from their childhood if you've played the game you know what i'm talking about it's just stupid it it seems like they're just trying to recreate the thing they did in life is strange 2 where the two brothers are like they're like wolves and even in that game it was stupid for some reason you got this fucking teenage boy and his little brother howling at the moon like goddamn dogs when they're just human beings so I, i don't love like their weird incessant need on like trying to anthropomorphize these characters for some reason or trying to like find these like creature analogs for like the sibling relationships that they do i don't i don't understand the reason for that and it never really pull it never really pans out the way i think the developers are trying to or the story writers are trying to so whatever but um yeah i'm excited to get into episode two and hopefully see the story pick up a lot more so far so good it's it's uh, it's definitely more promising than life is strange too I'm hoping I like it by the end of it. Definitely worth a check if you like these kinds of telltale don't nod games. But that's Tell Me Why. And then lastly, I've been playing Wasteland 3. This one I won't really get into because I've literally played like 45 minutes of it. And then I fell asleep. So uh, Wasteland 3, I was really excited to try a Wasteland game earlier when it was supposed to come out in May. And then when it got delayed somewhere between the announcement of the delay and the time of its actual release, I just lost all interest in the game. And that's no fault of Exiles. It's just the fact that... These kind of more tactical strategy games, it's not my cup of tea, and so it's just uh, it's hard for me to be excited about something like this. But I'm trying to just give it a try anyway. It's a new, it's a new game from a newly acquired Xbox studio. Just kind of want to see what these guys are up to, what an exile game is like. Just because I don't really play a lot of their stuff, I've been meaning to get around to Bard's Tale and play that. I have it downloaded, but I still have never gone back and fully played it. So Wasteland Three, I will say. The game is interesting. I think the setting, the kind of post-apocalyptic Mad Max-esque Colorado uh, snowstorm kind of setting is really cool. Um, but I'm going to jump back into it and try to give it another try and see if I can see if I can get anything out of this. But I have a hard time. 
really saying much of anything because this is just not my kind of game. I'm really excited to see what an Exile does next now that their next game is going to be an Xbox game. It's not going to be a game that was in you know in the works before they were acquired by Xbox. We know that they're working on like a big AAA RPG. I'm excited to see kind of what they do next with that big Xbox money instead of just, you know, their next small project. So Wasteland 3, be sure to check that out if you're one of those guys. And, and with that, I guess I guess we'll talk about news. Now, I, I've put it off so much this week because it is a slow news week. But with, with for, without further ado, let's jump into some goddamn Xbox news, okay? As mentioned earlier in the show, our first story here is that the full Tokyo Game Show 2020 schedule has has now been refueled, and with that, we know that Xbox will have a showcase that will kick off the four-day event. No word on what will be revealed during the event at, at the Xbox showcase during TGS, um, but the schedule does say that it's Xbox's stream and that it will be about an hour long. Now, keep in mind the reason why this is wordy and weird is because I'm pulling this from IGN. And then uh, Tokyo Game Show 2020 will kick off on September 24th, and it's planned to be in a digital-only event, of course, due to COVID, uh, because the world sucks. Um, but then shortly after this story, or not not too long after the story was was announced and, and, and uploaded, Microsoft kind of updated some things. The Xbox Japan account actually updated some things and confirmed that the show will not be about next generation news. So no Xbox Series X stuff happening here. In a tweet, as well as a blog post, Xbox released a list of what would be part of the show, quote, celebrating Japanese games, celebrating Japanese game creators and games, quote, updating com- updates coming to Xbox Flight Simulator for PC, Japanese Minecraft community creativity, and a review of first and third party announcements from recent months. Uh, the show will bro- be broadcast only in Japanese, so they really want you to know this is like a thing for the Japanese market. And the tweet reads, uh, celebrate Japanese game creators and games. Uh, well, this is like a checklist of what they're going to do. They say celebrate Japanese game creators and games. Update gaming's coming to flights. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to PC. Uh, Japanese Minecraft community creativity. Showcase broadcasting uh, in, in Japanese only. And then they put an X mark and say no next gen news. So they want to make it very clear that this is basically their way of saying, hey, this is like our little Xbox game showcase like what we did in July but it's for the Japanese market, not for the U.S. market. This is our version of saying, you know, what we think from that event is important to this market and kind of catering it towards them, as well as some updates on some other things that, you know, are pertinent and relevant to that community in particular, or that country, rather, that territory. So this is, like, exactly related to what I was getting to earlier when we were going over comments about how maybe this is one of those things where, like, less is more. And, and I know it's like Xbox didn't come out and say, hey, we're going to be at Gamescom and then say, oh, just to clarify, we're not showing anything interesting. This was like, OK, people were like picking up on word of this. This is part of the schedule. But Microsoft should have gotten in front of this because, again, this is one of those things where it's like everyone's like, holy shit, Microsoft's going to be a Tokyo game show. They're going to do a 50 minute presentation. Oh, my God, they're acquiring Japanese studios. They're acquiring a Japanese studio. They're going to talk about next-gen stuff. They're going to show off their new Japanese role-playing game that's exclusive for Xbox or a new action Japanese game, whatever the fuck it is. You know, they've had a good relationship with Sega recently, with Yakuza and things like that. Like, what is happening? You know, is this a is a fantasy star thing? Is this a new studio thing? Like, what, what are we going to learn here? And then it's like, oh, no, it's actually, like, pretty much just nothing. It's just a recap of everything we already know. But for the Japanese market, and what really makes it useless is it's like, what? The Japanese market can just watch the Xbox Games Showcase from July and with with Japanese subtitles. Like, they don't 
They don't need their own stream. Like, what the fuck is this? So I understand Phil Spencer is very passionate about trying to get the Xbox brand to be relevant in Asia, in particular Japan, where it's just Xbox has never been a thing and just probably won't ever be a thing there. But at the same time, it's like, this isn't how you do it. I They're just trying to, like, what, schmooze, like, the Japanese market by being like, yeah, Xbox cares about Japan. Let's just talk about all the shit we already talked about two months ago in the U.S. It's like, no, man, if you want to if you wanna win over the Japanese crowd, you got to, like, I don't know, cater to them. Like, make a game for them. Like, get a studio for them. I don't know, but I just don't understand the point of this of this conference other than it just being their way of saying, like, hey, Japan, we see you. Xbox takes this territory serious. We we want you to know that, you know, even though we don't historically have a lot of battleground here, we just want you to know that we continue to support this market. And as we move into our new, you know, hardware, our new generation of console hardware, that we want to keep Japan at the forefront of our of our of our uh, market and, and continue to support you guys regardless of whether or not you buy our shit. Like I've said before, Microsoft's best bet for getting Japan to take notice of Xbox is one, getting a Japanese developer under their belt and two, doubling down, tripling down on, on xCloud. I think xCloud is the kind of thing that can make the Japanese market care about Xbox because the Japanese market is very interested in mobile gaming and the Japanese market uh, is, is very much like cool with like you know, Nintendo and Sony already when it comes to like home consoles. So their best bet is to really focus on getting xCloud into people's hands. And I think that's exactly what the plan is. But I don't know how this showcase really, I don't know, digs into that and, and, and goes over those things. So th- this whole this whole announcement is just really confusing to me. And I feel like Again, this is this is one of those things. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. We're like now there's this expectation set, and Microsoft tried to do you know some expectation control setting by being like, "Hey guys, just so you know, we're not talking about the Series X. This is just about getting the Japanese market caught up to speed with what our our overall plans are right now." But at the same time, it's like, "Okay, okay, we get you." Wink, wink, and we're expecting them to be like, "Oh, one more announcement at the end of their 50 minute presentation," and be like, "By the way." we've acquired this studio or we started a new studio in Japan, blah, blah, blah. They're working on a Japanese role-playing game or something exclusive for Xbox. And, and we kind of in the back of our heads expect this, right? So it's just so it's just so hard to be like, well, why is Microsoft going to have a 50-minute presentation in Japan where they just talk about the same shit they've been talking about if they have nothing new to share? It's like, just don't say anything at all. Less is more. Like, just talk when you have something to share with us. Say something when you have something exciting and new to share with us. So, I mean, this is going to be a perfect example of this. If this event comes and goes, and there's nothing new and exciting, if there's no Japanese studio being formed or acquired by Microsoft, no new Japanese kind of relationship being formed between Microsoft and some Japanese company, then this will be a pretty disappointing showcase. Even though Microsoft's trying to make it clear that this isn't about new information or next-gen or Xbox Series X or anything. Because, like I was saying, at the end of the day, it's like, Guys, if you have nothing new to show, if this is just a recap for the Japanese market, just don't even bother. Like, this is something that can just be... This isn't something that really, like, needs to be, like, marketed to the world and announced to everyone. Like, just kind of keep it on the down low. Make some YouTube videos for the Xbox Japanese account or something like that. Like, don't don't be like, yeah, we have a 50-minute presentation and it's just about recapping on shit. Like, like, I don't know. Go tell the Japanese market, hey, we got a new developer diary for 
for Hellblade Two on the YouTube page for uh, for Ninja Theory and see how see how they like it. It's uh it's disappointing. Okay, so I don't know. This is a perfect example of what I was trying to get at. Microsoft needs to just stay on the download and be like, yo, we don't have anything to say right now, so we're just gonna keep our mouth shut. But again, this is this is also the kind of path they've taken where they've said, well, hey, we want to we want to constantly be in communication with our audience. We want to constantly be saying. You know, this is what's going on. This is this is exactly where we are right now. This is how Xbox is going to be in your territory in the next few months. So we'll see which one works out. This is going to be a long, a long run thing to see what what thing works better, whether it's less is more, say, you know, fewer presentations or if it's constant communication with your market. But I, I'm willing to bet this is a perfect example of when Microsoft needs to just be hands off. We don't need to be everywhere. We don't need to be at every event. Just fucking wait till we have something to say. So we'll come back to this. It all depends on um, if there's going to be anything exciting announced. You know, we got uh, we got a couple weeks, not till September 24th. So we got like three more weeks until we see anything on that. But we will put a pin in that story for now. Let me know what you guys think. Do you think it really is just going to be just an, a boring recap? Or do you think there is some news in this? Again, I, I understand it's geared towards the Japanese market. This isn't really about us over here in the in the Western Hemisphere or the U.S. as, as at least where I am. But uh, you let me know what you think of that story. If you think there's more to it and we need to get hyped or if this is a uh, Microsoft just saying, yo, we're just going to we're just going to tell the Japanese people that Halo Infinite is delayed and then get off stage. Speaking of Halo, our next story is uh, coming from IGN come is, is all about Halo. It's a uh, Halo veteran, Joseph Staten or Staten, who was instrumental in the success of Bungie's Halo games has been brought over to 343 industries to help get Halo infinite quote back on track. As reported by Bloomberg, Microsoft will also be shifting uh, one more senior leader into Halo Infinite, and sources say that these changes are to, quote, provide more expertise to the project. Microsoft is expected to announce these moves as early as tomorrow, August 27th. Okay, of course, that's a little dated, and that's already happened, and it has been confirmed. Uh, Staten and the other senior leader will reportedly work with studio head Chris Lee and report to Bonnie Ross, the Microsoft VP who oversees 343. Staten began his career with Bungie in '98 as a product as a product manager on Myth 2: Soulblier, and was the writer and director for cinematics uh, for Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 2, and the writer for Halo 3 and Halo Reach, and a creative consultant for Halo Wars, the writer and creative director of the Halo 3 ODST game, and the writer and co-creative director for Destiny. uh, Staten did leave Bungie in 2013 before the release of Destiny 1, and he rejoined Microsoft in 2014 to work on non-Halo-related games in the Xbox portfolio. And then the update came out a few days later, uh, where Microsoft and 343 confirmed that uh, Joseph Staten will, of course, be, quote, returning home to Halo for a bit, end quote. The news was revealed via Halo Waypoint, further clarifying that he will be officially joining the project as a as a project lead for Halo Infinite's campaign after helping launch the Tell Me Why uh, game, which just came out. We just talked about it. In addition to St- uh, Staten, uh, Pierre Heinz, the head of publishing team for Halo the Master Chief Collection, will be joining the Halo Infinite team as a project lead for its free-to-play multiplayer experience, which we already know about, the multiplayer being a separate free-to-play thing. Heinz and his team, quote, have demonstrated an amazing ability to deliver new content, an excellent flighting program, 
in substantive updates across Master Chief Collection over the past year. And that is the quote there. So this is a big story and for multiple reasons. Now, I know everyone's initial reaction was like, oh, my God, how exciting that he's coming back to 343, Mr. Joseph Staten. Staten. This was exciting for me as well because I love a story like this. I love seeing old original Halo, like Bungie Halo teams or team members come back to 343 and say, hey, we want to work on Halo again. We, We realize the error of our ways. We realize that destiny and everything else in the world just pales in comparison to halo and we want to go back to our baby and i love that i wish josh holmes would come back i wish we could have all of our all of our halo people just uh come on back into the arms and and say hey halo is is our baby why would we ever leave it but you know you you take what you can get so this is exciting in that respect you know this is a guy who had an instrument play an instrumental role in all the classic halos that we all know and love everything from combat evolve through reach uh, so this is really, really big stuff. Big role, big guy. But then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute. Halo Infinite was supposed to release in November. And this guy just got brought on now? And it's like, okay, the game's presumably delayed for like, what, eight months? It's like, what is he going to be able to do between now and then? You know, we weren't we under the impression that Halo Infinite's thing was like, it just needs more polish? Like, it just needs, you know, work on the engine, the graphics, and, and the performance, and stuff like that? Like... What does a guy who works on story have to do with that? So this is really confusing because what we know is that he's only here temporary. This isn't like his new permanent home. He works for Xbox. He's kind of getting moved around from project to project kind of based on where he's needed. But now he's like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back to work on Halo Infinite shortly after it got delayed. But it's only being delayed for like presumably less than a year. I, I mean, what are what are I think we came to the consensus that the game's probably coming out like I don't know, like late spring, summer, maybe. I mean, it's always possible it's a it's a fall game next year. But again, it's like story, cinematics, stuff like that. These are the kinds of things that are taken care of in a game, like early, early in the development, like like cutscenes, VO, writing, stuff like that, storyboarding. I so I, I'm like that. I mean, that's his that's his bread and butter. That's what he did on Halo. So what the fuck is he doing on Halo Infinite? <clears throat> Presumably, all the VO and the writing and the storytelling and the cinematics and all that shit is is done. So what the fuck is he working on? Is he is he getting in all like nitty gritty with the with the nerdy programmers and shit and working on and working with the artists and stuff and, and working on refining the gameplay and and polishing it? Like is that is that what he's doing? Because that's not that's not what his history is with the studio. And if he is working on story related content, then what the fuck is up with Halo Infinite that you guys need to rework story content? I thought the problem was that the game needs more polish and kind of graphical finesse to it. So this is just a really like alarming and kind of concerning story altogether because I just don't understand why this guy is here to work on something that's supposed to be done with the game by this point. So that was kind of my takeaway. It was it was that elation and excitement that everyone else seemed to be having, but then uh, like shortly afterwards followed by a bit of concern. Like you're reworking story aspects of the game this late in development, like what the fuck? So again, this is one of those things where it's like we just have to wait and see. And I'm just going to try to be blindly excited about it. Like, cool, Joseph's back. He's working on 343. He's working on Halo Infinite. I love this. I want to be excited about this game. I want to be excited about his return. Let's just try to give him the benefit of the doubt and wait to see what this means for the game. But this is something that kind of strikes me as worrisome. Again, it's like you got a guy who's known for story stuff and creative direction overseeing a game that's pretty much done, just needs polish and, and fine detail. And that's why it was delayed. So... It makes me wonder, like, what state this game is really in that 
that they need a guy like this to come in and help with this last push. I don't know. This is a uh, this is some slightly concerning, slightly sketchy shit, but we just have to hope that the game is in good shape and, and more importantly in good hands because the right hands can can make this make or break this game. So we we just gotta hope. Our next story here is that the X. Speaking of hope, the Xbox Series S is seemingly uh, now mentioned on a publicly available Xbox product, despite not having been officially announced yet. The long rumored console, which will uh, apparently take the form of a lower price, lower performance variant of the Series X, has been officially announced or named, or has not been officially announced or named by Microsoft, um, but multiple mentions of the console uh, have been found as we've been following over the weeks. Now those buying Microsoft products have found mentions of the Series S in their goods, as shown by this Xbox controller, which arrived with a Game Pass voucher that specifically mentions Xbox Series S. So from you, from Twitter user uh, Brendan at Bravarian Brendan says, I got a new controller from Microsoft since mine was broken. Interestingly enough, the Game Pass Ultimate trial code sheet mentions the unannexed unannounced xbox series s this is definitely a thing and the in the sheet of paper literally says like it's time my game pass and all the platforms it's available on and it says xbox series x slash s straight up announces it straight up directly addresses the console and then the story wraps up it remains to be seen when xbox will formally announce their all but confirmed console although rumors point to an announcement this month if the company is now printing public facing materials with mentions of the series s that seems increasingly likely. So this is just like, again, like I was telling you stuff about like eating a fucking tire if they didn't announce the Series S by August. And now here we are in September and they still haven't announced it. So again, I'm so tired of speculating on this shit and guessing. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. The main reason why this story is in the news this week and why I'm putting it here is because this is just more confirmation that this thing is real, that it's coming and how laughable it is that Microsoft just won't address the elephant in the room. And at this point, I think the only thing really to speculate or, or discuss is like, what what's a bigger joke? The fact that the Xbox Series S is known about by everyone and Microsoft won't confirm it? Or the fact that we're two months away from these consoles being released and we still don't have a price and date, a specific date? So I don't fucking know. You tell me, but like, what more do you want me to say at this point? We know the Xbox Series S is real. It's definitely happening. It's it's a matter of when, not if. So we just got to wait for Microsoft to finally say something. You got to think that September is the month they announce it. But at the same time, when they announce the Xbox Series S is when they announce the date and the price. And that's what conventional wisdom would have you believe. But again, Microsoft is, is really testing us this year. So I, you would think they would be like, we have one more hardware event to do this week or this this year before the launch of our new console and at that event they'd be like you may be familiar with the xbox series x it's the most powerful console ever made blah 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 but for those who are just looking for entry point into the great ecosystem of the xbox universe uh we are introducing the xbox series s and then they're like boom sizzle reel a bunch of cinematic gameplay stuff and then they're like xbox series s and it's white and it's shorter and it's stubbier but it's the same thing and it's less powered and then it says holiday 2020 
And then they're like, and, we're, and we really appreciate your cooperation, and now we're excited to reveal the Xbox Series S will be 8 billion euros, and it's never coming out, ha ha ha, and, and they'll give us a release date, is what I'm getting at. So, so yeah, like I'm saying, conventional wisdom would, would have you believe that, like, they're going to release this console, and that's when we're going to get release dates and pricing information on both boxes, right? And, and that makes sense. I, I think I've said this before on the podcast. It's that if the Xbox Series X is seen as too pricey, too expensive, whatever, then it's so smart to announce its price along with the Series S because then you have the ability to be like, so the Xbox Series X is coming out November 13th and it's $599. And if for all the people who go, ooh, you fucked up, that's too much, that's too much money, then you can immediately be like, Xbox Series S will be available on the same day, November 13th, starting at $399. And then be like, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah, the Series X is super expensive, but shit, you can jump in on next-gen Xbox gaming for only 400 bucks, and you kind of, like, soften the blow with that second console. And I think that's always been the plan, but now it's also just about kind of waiting out Sony to see if they'll be like, um, PlayStation 5 is super underpowered, and it's $700, and it has a very fast SSD. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, my God, so brave. Thank you, PlayStation, for speaking up about your experience. And then everyone gives them a standing ovation. Uh, so we're, we're kind of waiting to see... You know, Xbox is waiting on PlayStation, PlayStation's waiting on Xbox. And it's fucking annoying at this point. I wish they would just disregard each other and do their own thing. But here we are. So if you believe that Xbox Series S is being announced this month in September, I think you'll get a release date and a price for all the consoles. If you think that they're waiting to Apple it, like I was saying earlier in the show, and just kind of be like, hey, two weeks before the damn box comes out, here's a hardware event. Release information, pricing information, pre-orders now, all that good jazz. So... We'll fucking see. Apparently, Microsoft doesn't need pre-order numbers to gauge how many of these consoles to manufacture because we're long past the point where Microsoft would have to order specific numbers of units for these for these for manufacturing of these consoles. So they're uh, they're pretty confident they can just do whatever the fuck they want and and manufacture that way. Or maybe COVID's making it difficult to manufacture either way, so they don't even have to worry about accidentally making too many units because maybe they don't even have the option to make as many as they'd like. I don't, I don't know. But when you're Microsoft, I like to think you get priority access at the, uh, at the China sweatshop. So they, they might be making many, many Xbox series X's as we speak who fucking knows, I guess they don't, they're not really concerned with getting pre-orders to tell how many to make. So that is all that I'm, like I've said, I'm just so tired of speculating on this shit. I just let it be a thing when it's finally announced and until then, let's just stop giving these stories attention. This can, this remember, as as uh, as Lethal Migraine was saying, this isn't an Xbox podcast. We don't need to speculate about these things. This is a food podcast, and sometimes we talk about Xbox. Our final little wrap up story here uh, coming from IGN is that after reports stating that AT and T was looking to sell Warner Bros Interactive which includes studios like Rocksteady, NetherRealm, and WB Montreal, it has now removed its gaming division from its list of non-core assets up for sale. As reported by Bloomberg, AT&T has decided that, quote, it was too valuable to unload during its effort to pay down debt and streamline, according to people familiar with the situation. In June, CNBC reported that Warner Bros. Interactive had, in- had attracted interest from many companies. The list includes Microsoft, EA, Activision, Take-Two, and that the potential sale could have a could have reaped $4 billion for AT&T. However, now it seems that business is 
business's growth potential. However, now it sees the business's growth potential. AT&T has been working with Lion Tree Advisors earlier in the year to explore potential sales of the gaming division, and with the decision to ultimately abandon the sale, came amid a turnover in senior leadership at AT&T. Bloomberg notes that a few factors uh, may have influenced the re retreat, including the upcoming release of the yet-to-announce Harry Potter game, and the fact that COVID-19 pandemic has kept people at home with more opportunities to play games, making them more lucrative. Additionally, WB Interactive works with tons of licensed properties, which would make a sale complicated and would come with a lot of set long-term strings attached, as we've talked about in the show. While there's no mention of Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League or WB Montreal's Gotham Knights, these recently revealed games will also most likely be two big titles for the gaming division and AT&T as a whole. So I think this was the smart move. This was kind of my my thought the whole time is like, why if you're trying to offset debt, would you get rid of your gaming division when gaming is such a fucking lucrative entertainment medium, especially when you have IP like Batman and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all that shit. It's like, what? What? Well, I guess they don't. Do they have do they have Lord of the Rings? I don't remember. Does EA have Lord of the Rings? I don't fucking know. But you know they have these are the guys that have Harry Potter and, and Mortal Kombat and I, you don't want to just sell that shit off. This is it's funny how the article kind of addresses all the things we talked about when we would speculate. Is like if you sell these studios, how does that work with the IPs? Do you sell the studios without the IPs, or do they get the IP, or is it is it a carryover contract, or how does this work? What does Microsoft inherit if they buy if they buy this shit? And also kind of talking about like, why the fuck would you be working on this big Harry Potter game, these big Batman games, and then just be like, oh yeah, and we're, uh, we're just selling it. It's like, these games are going to make so much fucking money. You have a massive Harry Potter game and two big Batman games that are coming out over the course of the next two years. Plus you got all the Lego games that are coming out. We got a Lego Star Wars game coming out very shortly here. You've got presumably the next Injustice game coming out probably next year. And then Mortal Kombat after that. It's like, why the fuck would you want to sell at a time like this when you're about to have all these massively profitable games coming? Plus, COVID's making more people spend money on games and stay at home and play games. Plus, gaming's just already a super lucrative business. So if you're in a if you're in the position of trying to offset debt, you'd want to keep your big money makers. And I, I assume gaming is one of those things. So all of this never really made sense to begin with, and I, I'm super relieved to see them kind of stay independent because, in my opinion, this was the best case scenario. I I didn't want. I, I got it. Yeah, I know. Everyone wanted Microsoft to have them. I didn't like the idea of Microsoft having them. I want Microsoft to focus on building their own teams and having their own original IPs. So I'm I'm happy, personally, for my own selfish reasons that Microsoft didn't end up doing this. Plus, as I was saying, I really think the, the sale, this kind of forced U.S. government sale of TikTok that Microsoft's kind of involved in, I think that kind of outweighed the WB thing. So I don't think they would have done both. I think they would have done one or the other. And TikTok's obviously the bigger one to go after. So I thought that got in the way of it as well. And then, you know, I said it made the most sense for someone like Activision or Ubisoft to buy this this shit. I didn't say I wanted them to. I said it's the one I can see most realistically happening. But, you know, now we all get to be happy knowing that EA, Activision, Ubisoft, Take-Two, whatever, don't acquire this. So there's more competition in the ecosystem. There's more variety going around. We don't have to see Activision try to annualize these Batman games or see Ubisoft try to make them all open-world, exploratory, Far Cry knockoffs. So, or see EA make them all multiplayer shells with in-app purchases. So this is, this is I think, a good, a good story. Everything is staying as is. WB will continue to operate as its own thing. And AT&T is going to make a lot of fucking money off these Harry Potter and Batman games. So 
wise move hanging wise move hanging on to all that shit so that's gonna do for all of our big news stories now there was a list of new game pass titles coming out in the near future so i will list those off here it looks like microsoft just kind of listed off some some new titles you can expect on pc and console so our first one here is crusader kings 3 which is coming to pc it's available now uh the jackbox party pack 4 which is coming to console on September 3rd, so at the time you're listening to this, it's available now. Resident Evil 7 Biohazard is coming to console and PC, uh, available now on September 3rd. Tell Me Why Chapter 2, which is coming on September 3rd. And then Tohu Luna Nights, which is coming to console and PC on September 3rd. And lastly, on September 3rd, we got World War Z, which is coming to PC. Remember, that used to be on, on console, then it left console, now it's on PC. On September 8th, you got Star Renegades coming to PC. On September 10th, You've got three games. You've got Disgaea 4, Complete Plus, which is coming to PC, Hotshot Racing, which is coming to console, and Tell Me Why Chapter 3, coming to console and PC. So a lot of new stuff coming to Game Pass in the near future. And then we'll move into our important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the new make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. The first one here is that Ubisoft's open-world Greek myth adventure, Gods and Monsters, has officially been renamed to Immortals Phoenix Rising, but you'll have to wait until next Thursday, September 10th at night during the next Ubisoft Forward to learn more about the game. Next, Fortnite Chapter 2 Season 4, bringing with it uh, as bringing with it as teased earlier this week a marvel universe of heroes villains and character skins weapons and new challenges characters include thor iron man wolverine storm and many more next in an interview with venture beat it was revealed that call of duty black ops cold war will run at 4k resolution with a refresh rate of 120 hertz on xbox series x which is really exciting to me i, I would love to see that sexy buttery smooth re- refresh rate on my series x so i definitely want to check that out i might buy the new call of duty this year just for that alone but we'll see next concept art for halo infinite has revealed new elite characters and a first look at mark 7 generation 3 spartan armor everything looks so badass so check out halo waypoint if you want to see that concept art and then next we got wind from windows central the partnership between halo infinite and monster energy has officially been announced by michael wolf the marketing lead for halo by buying special Halo Infinite-themed Monster Energy drinks available in stores around the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and EMEA, EMEA uh, many play- uh, players can earn various prizes both in-game and out, like double XP, weapon skins, or a trip to Paris during a pandemic. The start and end times of the promotion vary by region, but generally it begins September 1st and ends on December 31st. So keep your eyes peeled for some Halo Monster Energy drinks. I'm not a fan of Monster Energy, but I will be buying one of these just so I can have the can on my Mountain Dew collection display since it has Master Chief on it. And that's not even a joke as much as it sounds like it is. Next, we got Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has officially been delayed to spring of 2021, but will now be releasing on next-gen consoles. Next, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics have revealed more details on Marvel's Avengers. Uh, Gear, Cosmetics, Vendors, and Marketplace and Premium Hero Challenge Cards will cost $10 for each character post-launch. And uh, so there'll be like character passes for every every character, basically. Cool. Uh, and then next, we've got Gasket Games and Focus, and Focus Home have revealed that Warhammer Age of Sigmar Stormground, a new strategy game set in the fantasy world of Warhammer Age of Sigmar which is some nerdy ass shit. Like I said, there's always a new Warhammer game. Uh, the game will come out 
on Xbox One in 2021. And lastly, Haven the Co-op Adventure RPG has been announced as a launch game for the Series X, so expect that sometime in November. That's going to do it for all of our news stories of any consequence, period. Guys, for the second week in a row, the Xbox Wire has failed us. They have not put up the list of new games coming to Xbox, so we can't do our classic tradition of just uh, naming all the games and assuming what they are based on screenshots and titles alone, which is disappointing as hell, but hopefully this is coming back soon. Otherwise, we're going to have to come up with some kind of replacement for it. Now, I mean, just off the top of my head, Marvel's Avengers is obviously coming out this week. Tell me why season... or. Tell me why episode two is coming out this week. Um, and you got some new Xbox games, relatively new Xbox games like Wasteland 3 and stuff like that. Guys, go play Battletoads if you haven't. Fuck Marvel's Avengers because Spider-Man's exclusive on PlayStation. That's a, a big old loss. So fuck Square Enix for doing that one. And then uh, it's September. It's a new month. So we got some new games with gold here. We got $80 worth of games here. 3,000 gamer score worth of games here. On the Xbox One front, we've got Tom Clancy's The Division, the first one, which is available for the entire month of September. Next on the th- on the Xbox One, we've got The Book of Unwritten Tales 2, which is available from September 16th to October 15th. And then on the 360 side, you've got De Blob 2, which is available for the first half of September on Xbox One and 360, backwards compatibility, of course. Uh, I never played the second one. I played the first one on the Wii, so maybe I'll uh, have to go back and play De Blob 2 that may be a fun little platform game. And then lastly, you've got Armed and Dangerous. It's an OG Xbox game, of course, available via backwards compatibility. And that's available from September 16th through the 30th. Uh, so go ahead and download all those new games. Get all that new G-score. And that's going to do it for our podcast this week, guys. Eric's going to play us out with a little, a little tune. And you guys, let me know how things are going. Let me know if there's anything if anything with the show. Things are going too long. We need to slow down the comments. Maybe focus more on the news. Maybe shorten things, lengthen things out. What do you want to see change on the show? I don't know. I don't care. Leave me five-star reviews on iTunes, guys. The show's growing. I greatly appreciate your support. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And remember, power your dreams, you, you goddamn Xbox. Thank you.